you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It is week nine, everybody, and we have everything you need to know about the undefeated Eagles and the Texans coming up momentarily. They will kick off the new week tomorrow night in Houston. Jordan Davis moments ago already ruled out. We kind of sort of knew that, but we'll look at the entire week nine schedule shortly. This is Steve Weich. My name is Andrew Siciliano. This is NFL Now on NFL Network. We are here every day at 1 p.m. Eastern time. You lived Five years in Washington, D.C. Five years yes. in D.C. Went to Howard University. My last year is when Doug Williams won a Super Bowl championship for that club. I know how much that club means to the citizens of that city in that region. And that's where I guess our jumping off point because you got big news. Absolutely. I was born and raised there right down the street from where Joe Gibbs used to have his team practice. This is significant news that broke this morning. That is Commander's owner Daniel Snyder. A release today from the team said that they have hired Bank of America Securities to consider potential transactions. Does that mean sell the team? Does that mean sell a piece of the team? What exactly does that mean? Ian Rappaport Tom Pelissero and Judy Batista all with me. May 26, 1999, Ian, is when Daniel Snyder had his purchase of the team, then with a different name, affirmed for $800 million from Jack Kent Cook. Translate what today's press release means. What do we know? I reached out to a commander spokesperson to help me translate and help us translate what actually this means, what transactions. Is Daniel Snyder looking to sell just a small piece of the team, take on a minority partner, or would he actually finally sell the entire thing? What the spokesperson said to me, we are exploring all options. That is extremely significant, guys. This is the first time that Daniel Snyder or anyone representing him has even acknowledged the possibility of selling the team. Every single other time that he has had the opportunity to uh, acknowledge this or say it, or it has been all denials, 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 saying that he will never sell the team. This is the first time publicly that Dan Snyder says he may actually sell the team. And you guys know how this works. Once the door of possibility is open, there's going to be many, many people looking to kick it wide open. The interest in the commanders is going to be significant. It is going to be lucrative. There is so much here, including a potential stadium that Daniel Snyder previously had tried to get built but had no success doing it. This is the first time we can realistically talk about Daniel Snyder no longer owning the Washington Commanders, Tom. 
Ian, this comes just 15 days after Colts owner Jim Irsay during the NFL's fall meeting became the first and to this point only owner to come out publicly and saying that he believes there is merit to remove Dan Snyder as the owner. Now, the commanders, in response to that, wrote a letter to the other owners talking about how honored that they all should feel that they are NFL owners, but also put out a statement with some key words saying that when the various investigations are complete, I'm paraphrasing, Mr. Ursay will see that there is no reason for them to sell the commanders, and they won't. So just two weeks later, suddenly, the commanders are exploring doing exactly that with Daniel Snyder engaging with Bank of America to potentially sell the team and, as you said, evaluate all the options here. So why now? I'm told it is not because of an imminent resolution to Mary Jo White's investigations nor to the congressional investigation into Dan Snyder and the commanders, but with all these different investigations, with one owner saying what plenty of others feel privately that Daniel Snyder should be removed, and also the ongoing stadium issue here, it at least makes sense for Daniel Snyder to line up his options if, in fact, he does end up selling. There is a procedure that goes into this. 24 of the 32 owners have to approve any sale. There's a vetting process. The banks are involved. It takes months. And so, at minimum here, by doing this now, Dan Snyder will know what his options are and be prepared to sell the team if that day, in fact, comes where he decides he's going to move on after a quarter century in charge in Washington. Let's be clear, this is months in the making. Uh, Owners were talking about would there be enough of them to vote him out all the way back in the spring. Um, And it has built up since then, even before Jim Ursay went public with his feeling that there was merit to remove Dan Snyder, owners were privately saying that the best path would be to try to convince Dan Snyder to sell. They thought that there were 24 votes to oust him, but everybody knew that that would be messy, that it could potentially end up in court, and they wanted to avoid that. And there was a feeling among owners that they needed to go to Dan Snyder uh, if he needed to be convinced, but somebody was going to have to convince him that the best thing to do would be to sell, to avoid what would be a humiliating fight with the other owners, and also to reap the rewards of this franchise. It's certainly, if he sells the entire thing, will be a windfall. As you pointed out, he paid less than $1 billion for the franchise. It certainly would be expected to go for at least $6 billion. This is considered one of the gold standard franchise, huge, rich history. There is the possibility of a stadium to be built. Certainly the feeling is that under new ownership, the possibility would be to get a stadium built in the district, which has always been what everybody had hoped for. So this is months in the making leading up to the possibility and the acknowledgement that a sale is possible. Again, owners would have to approve it, but there are always people around who the league knows would be interested if an ownership opportunity ever became available. So it is not like they just say, let's put the sale sign up and then we wait to see who's interested. They certainly have a good idea that there would be interest in this. Multiple people could be interested in this and that of course could bid the price up further. But this was not a snap decision by any means. This has been months of pressure building Uh, on Dan Snyder to make a decision. And certainly if it leads to a sale, guys, that is certainly the preferred path from uh, the league office and the other owners. And Judy, this this wouldn't be without precedent. I mean, let's think about what the Panthers did with Jerry Richardson, right? There was an investigation into him. There was discipline into him. He was not forced to sell his team, 
by fellow owners, but he decided to sell his team just after all of the bad press, all of the bad news, some of the, the disciplinary things that came after a sexual misconduct investigation uh, with him, at least in terms of language that was used and things like that around the workplace. So there is somewhat of a precedent with this. We also saw the Phoenix Suns have a similar incident with Sarver. Their owner wasn't forced to sell, but other owners were like, it is time for you to go so all of us can move on with our business, including you, as you just said, Judy, having that cash windfall. And I would say, guys, you know, we this is obviously important. This is business. This is much, much bigger than anything that happens on the football field. But there is the football thing that is, that we cover, and we now talk about the commanders having evened it up, having played really well over the last couple of weeks, and now have another thing to deal with. And the fact that uh, we got Taylor Heineke and Ron Rivera and the rest of the commanders having to go out and play games while we are all now publicly debating their sale and what is going to happen. It's basically been business as usual because that's been the way it's been for the last several months. But just another thing for this organization to now deal with. The only change here is, I would say, the fans and many people outside the commanders are probably a little more optimistic about the end result than they were previously. We will get to the football side of it coming up shortly. As you said, it has certainly been a week in Washington here. Ron Rivera mourning the loss of his mother, and we send our condolences. They've also opened up on the football field here, the window for Chase Young to be back on the practice field. He was there today, and there were helicopters, uh, according to reporters present today at Ashburn, circling over the practice field. It is certainly a story that will not go away and one that we will continue to report on in mind as the day and as the weeks and months go on. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, Judy. It's been a week, not just in Washington, but around the NFL. Look at this. It's kind of an eye chart. But how about all these trades that happened yesterday? There were many of them. We counted 12 trades yesterday, the most on the deadline day in the last 30 years. You go back, open it up like two weeks. Maybe it's as many as 18 trades. The headline yesterday was Bradley Chubb, former fifth overall pick, going to Miami with a five in exchange for a one and a four and Chase Edmonds, and he may actually play this week. It's hard to get players, um, quality players like that, and it comes at a cost, and you you have to say um, bye to a guy that you've um, invested in. Team defense and what that uh, another... Um, edge rusher, especially of his quality, can add to the defense. It can make our team that much better. Um, it can make people at um, uh, at the position group he plays, um, uh, the defensive front. Um, it can help uh, corners and safeties. It's all collective, and so that's what I'm most excited for. Is not um, anything. Uh, individually with him. It's more of how uh, it will help um, our defense do what it's trying to do. It's also going to look weird wearing number two. Bradley Chubb is going to wear two. Now, granted, Melvin Ingram there wears six. Same position that just seems a bit off to me. And yes, I'm an old man yelling on my lawn about jersey numbers. Roquan Smith is going to wear 18 with the Ravens. Not exactly a linebacker uniform, but I digress. Roquan used to be, obviously, with the Bears. The Bears traded him. The Bears traded Robert Quinn. But they also traded for Chase Claypool. So it's not a fire sale. Um, They're both buying and selling. There's part of me... um that's bummed because this was a guy that I thought was going to be here for a long time. Um, I felt like we put 
uh, a lot of effort forward to get that done. And we came up short and we couldn't find common ground. And that's just a part of this business, which I think we all understand. I like the way Justin is trending, and I think adding another um, big body who's physical, explosive, great leaping ability, can stretch the field, but also is, is violent with the ball in his hand as well as a blocker. I think that enhances everyone around him. Are you betting on yourself at this point, having you know torn down this team and rebuilding it? Are you, is that the risk you're taking here? Absolutely. At the end of the day, I'm a decision maker and a leader, and you got to step up and you got to make those decisions. And at the end of the day, if it's not, then that's, that is on me. Kind of a roller coaster of emotions here. Hi there, Stacey Dales, live at Hallis Hall. Ryan Poles on the podium yesterday. It's the Bears and the Dolphins, fittingly, this week. You trade away Quinn, you trade away Roquan. Fans are like, ah, wait for next year. But wait, wait a minute. Now we're going to trade for Chase Claypool. Walk me through what's going on in that building. Mm. Well, walking you through is very simple, Andrew. Ryan Poles continues to put his imprint on this team. For a guy that spent... Uh, X amount of years in Kansas City, started there as a scouting assistant in 2009 under that regime. And part of the recruitment of Patrick Mahomes, what your takeaway is this is a complete buy-in to the quarterback, Justin Fields. He mentioned it there in that clip that we heard. They love the trajectory of Justin Fields. And we have seen him come alive these last few games, incorporating those legs into the mix, which has given him more confidence throwing the football. And so why not go add another, as Ryan Poles alluded to, big-bodied receiver in Chase Claypool. This is really blockbuster because it reflects on buying into the quarterback, Justin Fields. This defense will continue to get retooled. They didn't want to lose value by giving, uh, by keeping and retaining Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. And Ryan Pohl said it very clearly. The finals were on the table. They were established. What are the finals? Well, they were the numbers, and they could not come to common ground with Roquan Smith. But this Chase Claypool addition for a guy in his third season, Andrew, who in his first two years, over 100 targets in Pittsburgh, right? His rookie campaign, uh, over 100 targets. His second season, over 100 targets. So he's a guy that's really smart, and I think they're going to plug in and play right away and expect him to make a difference with Darnell Mooney and company. But uh, Bears fans are certainly buzzing here. Charlie Uke is buzzing <laughs> uh, about this Claypool addition. Uh, we'll, we'll explain who that is. Charlie Uke, one of our bosses, our senior coordinating producer. Yes. I don't remember what Charlie's title is now. Guy with an office upstairs that oversees all of this. He is a <laughs> huge Bears fan and a Chicago native. And I walked in yep. yesterday and I said, really, a two for Claypool? Really? Because I didn't like the deal. That he was like, no. He loved it. I digress. <laughs> yeah, he loved it. All right, and he's watching yes. his office likely right now slumped in his chair. Um, Bradley Chubb. The other side of it here. Yes. Mike McDaniel said he may play this week. What kind of impact do we see him having in Miami? The Bears got to get ready for him now. Yeah, immediate impact. We know what Bradley Chubb could do. I could rattle, rattle through his numbers, Andrew. But uh, the bottom line is this defense needed help. They're already a really good football team. They are in the hunt. So why not add a player that you believe can take you to a Super Bowl? And that's what they're getting in Bradley Chubb, they believe. If you look at their defense, Andrew, very quickly, they're giving up 262 pass yards per game. That is the seventh most in the NFL. They have seven takeaways only this season. And they've been struggling to get pressure without blitzing. That is critical. Without blitzing, which is four or fewer pass rushers up front, just 37 pressures and only five sacks. So what he does he do? He allows them to do what the Buffalo Bills are doing with Von Miller. 
get pressure with four and allow that back end to work. That'll help the team defense, as Mike McDaniel, the head coach, alluded to in his press conference this morning. And by the way, this has been in the works for a couple of weeks, as Chris Greer, the general manager, also alluded to in his press conference today. So get get pressure with four, Andrew. Let that back end really operate with those defensive backs and linebackers. I, I love the addition, and we'll see how many snaps he gets on Sunday at Soldier Field, where I will be uh, this week. Which is a very good game, considering the way the Bears have played the last couple of weeks. Mike McDaniel was asked today about the idea of being all-in, like the Dolphins making this trade, they're all-in. And he said, yes, there's all-in, but right. a lot of us in the NFL also remember the old Jerry Glanville NFL, not for long. Right, so you make these moves so <laughs> you can capitalize here. Stacy Dales, thank you, live at Hallis Hall in Lake Forest. Meantime, at the trade deadline yesterday, the Green Bay Packers, three and a half games out of first, did not make a move, did not go get a wide receiver to help Aaron Rodgers, who happened to, right before the trade deadline, be on the Pat McAfee show. Four Eastern, I think, is the cutoff, maybe. Uh, so we're coming up on it. Hopefully, I was kind of hoping there might be, uh, you know, some news during this show that we could break uh, in live time. That would be pretty cool. Uh, I have had conversations with Brian, uh, you know, the, the past few weeks. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but uh, but I know that we've, uh, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that maybe we were in on the on the clay pool, and then we'll see what happens. Yes, the reporting is, Bucky Brooks, Steve Weiss here, that the reason the Bears had to give up a two is that the Packers also offered a two for Chase Claypool. But here they are, the team we saw Sunday night. Alan Lazard did practice today, Steve, so that's right, good news. Back. Is pretty much the team you're going to get. Yeah, look, and you know, as you heard the say, it's not like they did not try to, to add help there. It's just that the Packers, too, is probably going to be a higher draft pick than the Bears. I mean, a lower draft pick than the Bears, too. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But so, so, Bucky, I'm just saying, moving forward now, there's no more complaining for Aaron Rodgers about what he's having to work with or what needs to get better. This is the soup that he's got to stir and eat. So now they, these players have to get better. They've got to find, find ways to make this offense a little bit better, and that's something that they have not been able to do. They've had changes on the offensive line, but there are no more excuses. This is what you have to work with. The Packers are not the only team in this situation, and Aaron Rodgers, again, can't really talk about his pieces anymore because this is whom he is expected to make better. Yeah, he's expected to make them better as the franchise quarterback. I think the game against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night gave the Packers an opportunity to experiment with a formula that I believe is best for them going forward. We saw them commit to running the ball. We saw A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones help this team go for over 200 rushing yards. We saw Aaron Rodgers take a step back in terms of not throwing it all over the yard. They were very efficient. Romeo Dobbs had a solid game. And so now what you do with this young team, this young wide receiver core, you want to build upon that run the football, eventually add some play-action passes, and then maybe you hold out hope that you can convince OBJ to join in the mix to give them a dynamic playmaker because the one thing that they're missing in this offense is someone who can take the top off the defense, someone who can give them that vertical stretch presence because if you're going to run the ball like they showed they could run the ball on Sunday, you got to have someone to take it deep because it goes run, 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 throw it deep. That's the way it operates when you run the ball. Brandon Cooks can take the top off. He's also do a million next season. Real quick here, Tom Pelissero reports, Steve, that the Rams turned down multiple offers for running back Cam Akers, who's been sitting out in the doghouse, if you will, the last couple of weeks. And now maybe they put him back on the field. And, and that's what I've been hearing from the organization. Like, as bad as things have been, 
with Cam Akers. It's not irreparable between him and head coach Sean McVay. So they refuse the trades. Now they're going to see if they can make amends and get him back on the field. They know he fits their offense. They know he knows their offense. So if he can come back with his head on right and they can make amends with what they want to do, maybe they can get part of that run game going. But it definitely does seem like some steps need to be taken to bridge that relationship. Yeah, that relationship needs to be bridged because I'll be honest, the Rams need Cam Akers more than Cam Akers needs the Rams. Oh. The Rams have to be able to run the football to get back on track. They cannot be a one-dimensional team and think that Matthew Stafford can throw them into the postseason. They got to get back to being a physical football team, and without running the ball, this team is all finesse. Cam Akers did tweet this week that he misses football. That was before the deadline. Now, after the deadline, the fact that he's still on the roster, will he be back on the field, remains to be seen. Thank you, Bucky. Thank you, Steve. And we get ready to put the Sunday night game in the spotlight. Derrick Henry ran over the Texans. Will he run over the Chiefs? Will they shut down the Chiefs like they did last year? That's next. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have... Hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like, check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, you're watching NFL Now, NFL Network. New into our newsroom from Mike Garofolo, who reports that the Washington, D.C. Metro Police Department has scheduled a press conference later this afternoon to update several active investigations. Mike says that sources tell him one of the updates will be an arrest in connection with the August shooting of Commander's running back Brian Robinson, who thankfully is okay and thankfully back on the football field. More details when we get that. Mike Garofola reporting. Meantime, back on the football field, it's the Jets and the Bills coming up this week. Six and one against five and three. First place against second place. Who saw this coming in the AFC East? Probably the most complete football team we'll see all season. Um, the offense, defense, special teams—they're uh, deep. Um, they're they're littered with with Pro Bowlers and uh, in all three phases, and uh, very well coached. They play hard. 
Uh, quarterbacks outstanding. Uh, their defensive front, uh, very deep, disruptive. Uh, it's a damn good football team. This is a really good Jets football team. They play great defense. They've got great talent. Um, they've got great speed offensively, uh, great speed defensively, and and uh, I think that's been well documented with, with the players that they have on both sides of the ball. Uh, it's the Mutual Admiration Society here. Judy Batista and Bucky Brooks, everyone saying nice things about the opponent this week. Um, as, as Judy, everyone there is also trying to say nice things. They're meaning New York about Zach Wilson, at least in the building, but also being pretty firm. He's got to play better if they're going to make a playoff run. Yeah, Joe Douglas did a Zoom yesterday after after the trade deadline passed. And uh, one thing he said, let me read it to you. When you take care of the ball with our defense and special teams, we're going to be a tough team to beat. Just focus on the turnover battle. Focus on eliminating self-inflicted wounds. Now, he went on to say that was directed at the entire team, not just Zach Wilson. But obviously, the emphasis is going to be be a lot more careful with the ball. Zach Wilson had three interceptions in the loss to the Patriots last week, if you remember two of them were particularly ugly and he said by his own admissions just really boneheaded decisions on his part one thing to keep in mind though he is especially struggling under pressure he is being pressured 34 percent of his dropbacks he's completing just 31 percent when he is under pressure that is second lowest in the league amazingly the only person who is lower than him is tom brady when facing pressure but the point still remains zach wilson has to play better he's got to play cleaner as somebody who knows the jets organization said to me this week forget wins or losses forget whether you win or lose against the bills just hold on to the ball yeah judy i think this is a big challenge it's a big challenge for zach wilson because when you go back and watch how he played at byu he was always a gunslinger and was a little reckless with the football. So now you're playing for a defensive-oriented team, meaning this team's best way of winning is to let the defense lead the way. And so you're asking Zach Wilson, who has always been a playmaker throughout his life, to now be a game manager. You heard it in his comments after the game where he talked about it's frustrating to have to throw the ball away or when the defense wins and I can't fit it down the field. That doesn't sound like someone who really understands the value of the ball. So maybe someone in the building can get with him. Robert Sala, one of the offensive coaches, can tell him, hey, man, you take care of the ball. We win a lot of games. You get a lot of credit on Broadway. Because until he's able to check his ego and kind of play more of a managerial style instead of pushing the envelope as a gunslinger, the Jets will always have these ebbs and flows in their performance. I just love that this game means something. Last time the Jets and Bills met in November or later, where they're both two games over 500, was week 16 of 98. It was Flutie and Vinny Testaverde and Wade Phillips and Bill Parcells. And wow. Good times. Yeah, let's get that video for later in the week. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Bucky. Give it to Henry, 25-20, 15, outside to the 10, puts a move on to the 5, stiff arm, dives over the pylon, touchdown, Titans! That was a man-sized run by D-Man! At the 1, Tannehill gives Henry at left guard into the end zone, touchdown!
Mike Keith has a lot of fun calling Derrick Henry touchdown runs. He owned the Texans last week. Now he's going to try to face a very good Kansas City defense, one that we do not talk about enough, one that did the job two weeks ago when they were in Santa Clara beating the 49ers before their bye. This is the Sunday night game. Bucky, Steve White, this one this oh, is pretty good on paper. Oh, man. I, I mean, I love this game because, look, the Titans have won, what, five in a row? They look like the Titans we know and love. Oh, yeah, and the Titans have beaten the Chiefs four straight times in the regular season. So matchups, this is a tough thing with the Chiefs, but this Chiefs team, Bucky, it is different, right? Offensively, the Chiefs can put points on the board. Those five teams the Titans just beat, they can't score, right? So, and we see the, ver the variety in the offense. Now the Chiefs are playing with two that can keep the ball. They can possess it. They're not just a big play team. So this is one, if the Chiefs get the lead, you know the Titans are going to stay with the run, but is that going to be the formula if Kansas City can continue to score like we saw them do against the 49ers two weeks ago? This is the biggest challenge that faces the Titans each and every week. Can they stay true to their identity despite the teams that they're facing? What I love about Mike Rabel is they don't sugarcoat it. They know exactly who they are. They are a run-first team. They got the king in the backfield, and the king is going to get fed. And so it is on the Chiefs' defense to find a way to slow the guy down, to find a way to stop the monster from getting loose. And what you're beginning to see from the Tennessee Titans, oh, they're feeding the pig. They're giving him the ball early, often. They're giving it to him late they're giving it to him when everyone knows he's getting it and he's still able to be successful the Tennessee Titans walk into the stadium each and every week saying we're going to run it at you we dare you to stop it we'll see if the Kansas City Chiefs are up to the challenge if you include scrambles by Malik Willis they ran the ball 45 times last week Malik Willis threw the ball only 10 times Ryan Tannehill's ankle obviously an issue this week something to monitor think he's going to be okay Sunday night Chiefs Titans Kansas City thank you Bucky you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Loads up, airs it deep downfield for DJ Moore. Behind his man. Oh, oh he can finish it. Yeah. He caught the ball. DJ Moore caught the ball. This is amazing. Is that a flag? DJ Moore climbed up. Wow. Into the seats. Unsportsmanlike conduct, offense number two for removing his helmet. This will be a 48 yard extra point. The kick is up. And no, no good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. So we go to overtime. Now they've got a chance for a field goal to win. The kick, it's up, and he oh missed it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. The kick by two. It's up, and it's good. And the Falcons win it 37-34. to 34. Oh, man. I mean... What a back-and-forth crazy game. The last 10 possessions like, before the overtime, both teams scored all 10 times. Anyway, look at this. The first-place Atlanta Falcons. How does that sound? First-place Atlanta Falcons for the first time entering Week 9. Rashawn Evans, who's live with us now on Falcons Game and Flowery Branch, since 2016. Steve White is so happy he wore his Falcons colors here today. Uh, Rashawn, just watching back that thing, 
Like, have you ever been involved in a more bonkers game than that? Yeah, I mean, I've been in a lot of games in my day, but th this one probably tops it off. Um, <laughs> you know, you got a lot of emotions. It's like a roller coaster. And then, you know, you get the opportunity to be able to win the game. And we were able to do that, man. So I'm really proud of the guys for, you know, just fighting through and making sure that, you know, we got the job done. So, Rashawn, after the game, you said you feel good about being number one, first place in the NFC South. But the hardest thing right now is to maintain and be there and stay there. You guys have played with this underdog chip since training camp, but now you guys are kind of the hunted. Does the mentality change? I think at this point right now, um, you got to understand that you're going to get the best game of, of everybody in the league at this point. Um, you know, everybody knows that you're number one. Everybody knows that, you know, you're, you're, you're in a rhythm right now to be able to place yourself in the playoffs. And I think for us right now, we just got to stay focused and maintain the things that we've been doing. And that's making sure that we don't uh, make a lot of mistakes, make sure that we're detailed, make sure that we are, you know, continue to push and be better and better each and every week. And, you know, you do those things, you put yourself in a good position. I'd have to think as well, Rashawn, and I know you focus on your team and your team only because that is what you can control. You also mm -hmm. know that Tom Brady's not going down without a fight looking over your shoulder. No doubt. Right? And no. the Saints got plenty of weapons. They're going to get healthy. And that Falcons team, I'm sorry, Falcons team, Panthers team pushed you guys to the limit. Mm -hmm. So no matter what the rest of the league may say about the standings in your division, you know there's still a second half of football here. Oh, no doubt. Um, you know, you, you playing this great game and, you know, these guys get paid just like us. These guys are elite at what they do. And, you know, each and every game at this point is like a playoff game for us. So, um, you know, it's going to definitely take all of us to make sure that we're on the top of our game, make sure we're on our P's and Q's um, each and every Sunday because we know we're going to get their best. Rashawn, I, I spent a lot of time with you guys in training camp and your head coach, Arthur Smith, instilled a belief in his players from day one. Forget what everyone else is saying about you. You guys are going to be good. You guys are going to compete. How much did that mean to you guys with so many new players, including yourself, joining this roster? Uh, it means a lot. Um, you know, you kind of use it as fuel, use it as motivation to, uh, you know, be better than what the critters are saying. Um, also, we'll say, you know, we try not to, you know, look in or try to pay attention to those things. But, you know, it, it can't be a way to use fuel to the fire. And I think that's exactly what we're doing. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're not trying to do anything more, anything less than what we're doing. Um, you know, making sure that we just play our style of football and the way we like to play it each and every Sunday. Um, and, you know, great things will happen. Rashawn, let's talk about you. Former first-round pick, you're leading the team in tackles here. How rewarding is it? Because I know it didn't end the way you wanted it to end mm -hmm. with the Titans to be here and playing this well right now for a first-place team. Oh, it feels good, man. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you, you're using – things that happened in the past to, you know, help shape the things and learn from the things that you did in the past to help shape the things that you, you're you doing now. And, you know, uh, me being a guy that's going into his fifth year, now and in his fifth year, um, you know, I've learned a lot of things. Um, it's helped me in my leadership. It's helped me uh, understanding, uh, you know, it's not always about you. You know, uh, the team always is always going to come first and that at the same time, you know, um, you know, you playing your role and doing it the best of your ability, it's enough. And, you know, at this point right now, man, I'm just happy to be a part of a great organization, a great team, guys that love each other, guys that count on each other, 
Um, and our locker room is continuing each and every week to be better and better. Um, so I'm just, you know, really excited to see what happens in these next couple games, man, to, to see where we play. Rashawn, what about a, a player like you, Marcus Mariota, comes over from Tennessee, lost his starting job for a couple years, was over with the, with the Raiders, and comes back, mm-hmm. and he is now your starting quarterback and leading you right now. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's like a it's like a, a beautiful story, man. Um, you know, that's the thing I love about this game, man. Um, you know, things don't go as well as you might want it, but you know, you always have another opportunity. Um, you know, each and every year to be able to position yourself or at least change the narrative about yourself to be able to be in a better place in a different place. And I think Marcus is doing that. And to be able to see him grow as a quarterback from Tennessee to the Raiders until now. Um, you know, it's been beautiful, man. Um he's he's taking that leadership role and leading us in these in these in these wins, man. And, you know, he's doing a really good job of just playing his game. He's not allowing anybody to, you know, uh control the narrative about, you know, what he's done in the past. I think he's taking full advantage of the opportunities that he's has and he's making the best of it. Real quick before we let you go, Rashawn, I know he's not in the building right now, but he is your former Alabama teammate. Your reaction, the locker room's reaction to the Calvin Ridley trade yesterday? Yeah, man, I mean, it, it's always good news to hear you're a guy that you won games with, a guy that you sweat sweat blood and tears that you had at Bama, and to be able to see him uh, have another chance and be able to, you know, extend his career, um, I know he's going to do, do very well. Um, you know, I know he's working hard. I know he's doing all the little things that he needs to do in order to be prepared. And, you know, it's going to be fun seeing Calvin out there, you know, round guys up for sure. Potentially next year with the Jaguars. Next game for you guys, though, the L.A. Chargers, the first place Atlanta Falcons this week taking on the Chargers. Rashawn, congratulations on the good start. Best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.